before we jump into this week's episode, I would like to take a minute to allow you to prepare emotionally for the content we will cover today, or to decide to take a break and not listen. While I'm eager for you to hear about these topics, your well-being is of the greatest importance to me. Hey, it's Sarah, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by grant funding from the Kansas Department for Children and Families. So today, we're going to talk about resilience. And I think when I started this series, I said it was going to be a three-part series. But I changed my mind. It's going to be four parts. Because today, I really want to talk just about resilience. And then next week, we will finish up with the trauma-informed care principles and practices. But as I sat down to write them, I discovered that I really wanted to separate them out. So let's jump in. So remember in the first episode of the series where we talked about uh, Dr. Bruce Perry's brain model, how our brains process all information, right? We're constantly getting input from the world around us through our body and our senses. And all of those incoming signals are processed or sorted into a sequence, right? With the first sorting takes place in that lower brain, that brainstem, right? The most primitive and reactive part of our brain. So if you think about all that, then know that to reason with another person, we need to effectively get through the lower areas of their brain and reach their cortex, right? That part that's front of the brain, responsible for thinking, problem solving, reflection, etc. But if someone is stressed or angry or frustrated, you know, dysregulated in their brainstem, right? That incoming input from us is going to be short-circuited and it's going to lead to a distorted input of that cortex, like we talked about in one of the other episodes about becoming dysregulated or sensitized system. So this is where Dr. Bruce Perry, yet again, gives us another amazing graphic and explanation with his sequence of engagement. And of course, like I've said in past episodes, I'm taking a lot of this information directly from his book that he wrote with Oprah, The What Happened to You, which of course will be cited in the show notes. So without some degree of regulation, it's difficult to connect with another person. And without connection, there's really no reasoning, you know, uh, seeing the other person's point of view, learning something new. And trying to reason with someone before they're regulated won't work. And indeed, only increases that frustration for both of you, right? Think of that little person in your classroom that is just today is not the day. They're on the floor, they're screaming, they're pounding their fists, their faces are all screwed up and you and say, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? right? When you meet anger with anger, you get explosion. So we have to learn to regulate, relate, and then reason. And, you know, effective communication, teaching, coaching, parenting, therapy, they all require an awareness of and following of that sequence of engagement, right? That idea that Information that comes in, comes in first through your brainstem and goes up through the limbic and into the front. And that we have to be regulated. We have to be in our headspace, our front headspace, the top of our brain, 
in order to connect and reason. So I said we were talking about resilience. So how do you think all of that, that sequence of engagement, how does that apply to resilience? Well, let me share a few definitions of resilience and see what you think. So resilience, the ability to adapt well to adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or even significant sources of stress. Being able to bounce back from stress, challenge, tragedy, trauma, or adversity. The ability to overcome hardship. And Dr. Ann Mastin, who is a lead researcher on resilience in children, described resilience as an ordinary magic, right? This quality that shows itself in children's curiosity and their ability to relate to others and above all in their ability to survive and be successful, even though their lives include many challenges. And here's the cool thing. Resilience can be taught, nurtured, and strengthened in all children and adults at any time if you are given the skills and the tools that you need to build that resilience. You know, like that effective communication, teaching, coaching, parenting, therapy that we just talked about, right? So we have to regulate or adapt, bounce back, overcome, relate, have that curiosity, that, that ability to survive and be successful, and reason to learn new skills and resilient behaviors so that we don't repeat past traumas. And here is probably, if you take nothing else from today's episode, if you take nothing else, take this. Research data shows time and time again that the most important factor affecting a child's ability to build and maintain resilient behaviors, which work to counteract the negative effects of that childhood trauma and toxic stress, is the presence of at least one stable, committed relationship with an adult. You are one person. You can be that stable, committed relationship that that child needs. And when children develop a positive, stable relationship to one or more adults who provide that consistent, nurturing care, They understand that they're important and can count on others. They develop a positive sense of self. And they gradually begin to acquire an understanding of their own emotions and of others' emotions, which leads to the development of positive social skills. So how do we do this? How do we show children through our words and our actions that we are that safe place for them, that we are that stable, committed adult? Well, we can respond to children's needs in a caring way. (laughs) Touching the child gently when you're feeding them or engaging in a self-help skill. Comfort them when they become frustrated and can't master a task. We can encourage children's sense of self and personal identity by verbally acknowledging children's efforts and by saying, you can do it or look at what you can do. Talk to children about their new skills and accomplishments. Help them build that. We can model caring and empathy for others. We can talk to children about situations as they happen in a calm, positive manner. Narrate, provide the words and strategies that they can use next time. I mean, there are so many episodes that we've done where we've given language of 
talking about children. Tell her you don't like it when she hits you. That hurts. Ask her to use a gentle touch, right? That's talking about it as it happens. I'm narrating what's happening. I'm providing them words and strategies that they can use next time, right? And this helps us to encourage and acknowledge children's efforts to help others. That was so kind of you to pick up his bag. That was so helpful of you. And, you know, we can provide a predictable, secure learning environment. Allow children time to try things themselves, but being close by to offer support if they need it. And offer safe choices, limits for playing and exploring. You know, we tend to be a very verbal society in America, because I know we got uh, people all over the world listening. Hello to all of you people around the world listening. But as Americans, particularly, we pretend we tend to be a very verbal society. Um, written and spoken words are very important, but the majority of our communication as humans, American or not, is nonverbal. I know that we've probably talked about this before, but 80% of what you're communicating is done through your body language, right? And there are parts of our brain that are very, very sensitive to nonverbal relational cues. So another way to build resilience is one to remember that a lot of what we do is done through body language communication, through nonverbal, is we can model that positive communication, engage in eye-to-eye contact, smiling, repeating sounds, but also remembering that eye-to-eye contact is uncomfortable for some children. And it also is a cultural aspect that you have to be aware of. Perhaps it's not appropriate for children to look adults in the eye in that child's home culture. And we also want to verbally, in addition to the nonverbal, but we want to, we do want to verbally acknowledge children when they use their words and other positive interaction strategies. Again, that narrating of what you see happening, your, your mouth, you're smiling, your eyes are wide open, you are laughing. It looks like you're happy. We want to promote the development of that social-emotional vocabulary, like I was just talking about. Reading and talking about those things throughout the day, providing pictures, books, posters, etc., of different emotions, along with the words to name them. And one, the last one, which is always probably one of my favorites. Hopefully, as you've gotten to know me, maybe you get this. But demonstrate humor and optimism in your attitude towards all others. Right? Be aware of your own body posture, touch, tone of voice. Um, don't take things too seriously. You know, when you make a mistake, admit it and move on. Laugh, smile. And, and no, I don't say that to be all, you know, Pollyanna and everything's great. Nothing's wrong. But, you know... You can trick your brain into having a good time sometimes if you just take a deep breath and smile. So talking about that, right? Now that we've talked about the kiddos and how to build resilience with them, let's talk about you, the adult. In order for us as adults to nurture and grow resilience behaviors in children, we have to be able to regulate, relate, and reason on our own so that we can access and practice and model these resilient skills for children. And one of the best ways for us as adults to do this is self-care. And no, self-care is not a bad word, okay? 
Self-care is actively looking after your own mental health and well-being so that you can more effectively support the children you work with, the other adults you work with, anyone in your life, right? It's this where, you know, we've been in the time of COVID for some time now, (laughs) but I, and I realized that maybe asking you to actively look after your own mental health and well-being is like asking you to choose your favorite child or, you know, set fire to your own house. But here's the thing. If you're not actively looking after your own mental health and well-being, you are setting your own house on fire. If you are constantly pouring out your cup to others, to the children in your care, eventually your your cup's going to be empty. And you know how like when you leave a, if you have a hot plate and you have a cup of coffee and you leave it set on the hot plate or a coffee pot that's left set empty, it gets that crusty, yucky stuff at the bottom of it. I think that that's kind of what our mental health is like when we don't perform or don't engage in self-care. Our mental health gets crusty and white and yucky. And that's not good for anyone. So, you know, I'm curious to know, please share with us on social media, what are some of your self-care strategies? You know, mine are definitely crafting, sewing, um, designing things researching things, um, those things bring me joy. And I do struggle sometimes to remember, hey, it's okay to take a break from what you're doing right now and take care of yourself. Have something to eat. (laughs) So I would really encourage you to take a few moments and think about things that bring you joy and how to make ways to do those things. And if you'd like a little deeper dive into the adult self-care realm, I have a few pools that you can visit. Uh, Episodes six and seven of this podcast that you're listening to right now, we cover the topics of why you should care about self-care and ways to do it. Um, The ITSN virtual resource kit on embracing your stress through self-care. There's a link in the show notes for that. Um, The ITSN Directors Alliance, which was developed by our very own co-host, Stephanie Haney, along with her teammates, our teammates, my teammates, Joni Bridenthal and Tanisha McCorkle. They have a resource called Creating Resilient Staff, and there's a link for that in the show notes. And then finally, probably one of my go-to resources, websites, when I'm thinking about resilience and self-care is the Devereaux Center for Resilient Children, um, where they, of course, have resources for helping children build resilience, but they also have a whole section related specifically to adults. And I highly recommend the Building Your Bounce Reflective Checklists. Um, It's a really great little booklet that I've done a couple times by myself and with a little book study group. And it's really kind of cool to reflect on your resilience behaviors, your protective factors, etc. So, um, I hope today was maybe starting to be a bit of a bright spot because I know the topics we covered in the last two episodes in this series are heavy. They're heavy, but they're so important. 
you know, understanding trauma and toxic stress and ACEs, I think is what will lead us to being better humans. And I know that listening to all those facts and figures and heavy, scary stuff makes it feel like, I mean, what can you do, right? There's nothing you can do. Well, hopefully you remember and you heard me say that it takes one stable, committed adult relationship to help a child build resilience. And I also hope that a lot of the little strategies that you heard in here are things that you're already doing. So guess what? You're already building resilience. I really hope that you all have um, taken some good little chunks of information from all of this, because as I've said before, this is a topic that is very, very important to me that I'm very passionate about. It's been a daunting task to create this series, to give you Knowing, knowing that I was giving you the Netflix preview version instead of the deep, deep dive, but hopefully I provided some resources and a few little nuggets that have helped you see it in a different way, see your children's behaviors in different ways, um, and maybe started you on that step to researching more. So next week will be the final part of this four-part series, and we're going to talk about uh, trauma-informed care practices and principles. So it's going to build on everything that we've covered in the last two episodes, and it pulls a lot from this resilience episode that we're doing today. So I hope that you join us again next week when we finish this up. Take care. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casido Kids and Fit Toddler Specialist Network and the Casido Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families Childcare and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at kidsthesedayspod and on Twitter at ktdpod. Don't forget to hit subscribe, rate, and review. That's how others learn about us. This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Sarah Holmes. Music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod. <laughs>